Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Spoiler Force Podcast. You can find all episodes on any podcasting platform like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and watch episodes on YouTube. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and make sure to follow Spoiler Force on all social media platforms at Spoiler Force Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Rico Fajardo, and you're watching Spoiler Force Podcast. I will be your hero. All right, so this is episode 120 of Spoiler Force Podcast. My name is Ricky, and thank you for tuning in. This week's guest is someone I got to meet at the Otaku Detroit Minicon. Uh, she's an artist. Uh, she does water paint, water painting, uh, digital art, and she sells her art at conventions as well. So let me just bring my guest here, Jessica of Lilith's Art. Thank you so much for doing this today. Hey, Ricky. How's it going? <laughs> I'm good. Um, I was actually surprised to have you on the uh, podcast because I was reaching out to like a bunch of people from oh. like, from Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you were one of the few that replied back. So I, I really wanted to kind of just uh, go back to the Michigan roots and, you know, help bring up some artists there. Because uh, I, I don't know if you know, but I recently moved to the Dallas Fort Worth mm-hmm. area. So I'm not in Michigan anymore, but gotcha. I still want to show some love to the art- artists there. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so like I said in the intro, we we met at, I don't know if you remember, but we met at the Otaku Detroit Minicon. Mm-hmm. Um, I bought your uh, Tifa and Beto prints. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I don't remember which ones you bought, but I yeah. do remember seeing you there. Yeah. Yeah, those are back at my house in Michigan. I didn't mm-hmm. bring a lot of my stuff with me. So as you can see, my wall here is like really, really plain at the moment, but uh, I'm planning to do some upgrades eventually. Yeah, but, you know, come back in waves. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but uh, I I, let's just, you know, I I just want to dive into how did you get started with art? Because I I find it really impressive when I see like a lot of local artists starting to have their own vendor booths and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So like I've been that's why I've been talking to a lot of artists these days as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. I've actually been drawing since I was a little kid, so I was just, like, almost, like, came out of the womb holding a pencil, you know what I mean? So, like, always drawing, always doodling ever since I was growing up. Um, Yeah, like, as a kid, they were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? I, like, only ever wanted to be an artist, but then because I, like, you know, grew up in an Asian household and stuff, that was just, like, a pipe dream, so... I um, mostly focused on like academics and stuff growing up. So drawing was just a hobby for me back then. But then it was like, after I graduated college, one of my friends that year, she was like, hey, I managed to get a Yomacon table. I was like, oh, can I split it with you? So this was in 2016. And so she let me split it with her. And since then we've just been tabling. So when we first started, I think I had like five or six prints. She probably had like 10 or 15 prints. Our table was like super tiny. We split it. And then through a good chunk of 2017, we would just apply to cons together and then split the table. And then towards the end, we each built up our own portfolios. And now we both table separately. So yeah, just kind of like a hopped right in and just started going for it, basically. Yubicon, that's a big, uh, that's a pretty big convention to start yeah. off with, too. Yeah. <laughs> so was that pretty intimidating? Just going straight into like the the big anime convention in Detroit? Kind of, because I'm trying to think, like, at that point, I had been to Yomacon a few times, and Shudokan was still around, so I had been to that a few times, and those were, like, my main two experiences with cons. Oh, I think I had attended Fanime once, once or twice, so 
I like kind of had a gist of like what it looked like to be in an artist alley, but luckily there's actually a lot of resources online. Like there's a Tumblr blog called How to Be a Con Artist, and then there's like a whole Facebook group for a lot of people who table at conventions a lot. And so we just did our research and just kind of did our best, basically. So what what made you decide to do to like prints? Because I I know that there's artists that do like buttons and stickers and like. Mm-hmm. A bunch of unique stuff that I've never really seen. It like now that now that the convention scene is growing, there's like more options to buy stuff. So did yeah. you start off with prints? Yeah. So prints, I think, are actually the easiest to get into because you don't need a whole lot to do them, right? You just you draw the picture, either traditionally scan it in, edit it, or you do it digitally. And then to print it out, you can either print it at home or、um, print it through like a third party service. So like. You could probably just go to Staples and get prints done if you really wanted to. So because of that, there's like a pretty low barrier of entry for that.、Um, if you wanted to start out with like buttons or charms or something, buttons you have to either go find a place to make it for you, which can get expensive, or you have to like buy a button machine and all the parts, and those can get expensive too. And then for things like charms and enamel pins and stuff, you have to go find like a manufacturer. So that's like that involves a lot more research, a lot more like. You know, calling people and probably investing upfront in order to、um, like get samples made, quality check it. So, prints were just kind of the easiest thing to hop into. What was your your first set of prints that you sold then? Like, what, what was your, what did you start off with? So the prints that I had, so it was 2016, which meant、um, the big fandoms were like Pokemon Go and like Voltron. And so I had a set of Voltron prints that well, so it's not technically Voltron. It's like it's a crossover between Legend of Korra and Voltron. So I drew like the main Legend of Korra squad as like paladins of Voltron. So it was like Korra was blue, Asami was red, Mako was black, Bolin was yellow, and then for the green one,、um, I put Jinora in there. So that's the one where people like they'll look and be like, oh, I recognize these characters, but no, like rarely do people ever get the green one. They're like. They'll guess that it's like Opal or someone else. So I had that set, and then、um, I had the three gym leaders from Pokemon Go, and then I have this one miraculous ladybug one. So I actually still sell a handful of those at my table. I think the Voltron one I'm trying to like phase out, and the miraculous ladybug one.、Um, sometimes it randomly does well. I feel like it's when the show like releases a new season, people are like excited about it again. That like I'll make some sales of that one, but yeah, it was pretty much just those. And then oh, I think I had done Inktober that year, so I made a lot of like mini postcard prints of a lot of the drawings I did from that. Yeah, Inktober is a big one、uh, every、yeah. year. I, I love seeing like、uh, comic book artists or anime artists. Or any artist in general, really do like their own take.、Um, mm-hmm. I know that people follow like a certain list that、mm-hmm. comes out every year for Inktober. So did did you do that to like you followed each day for each character, or you did your own variation of each day of drawing? Yeah, so I've kind of done a mix throughout the years. So that year,、um, 2016, I followed their list for the most part. But then I think like midway through, I also I would alternate between that and there was like a Witchtober list or something. So. I was like, you know what? I kind of feel like drawing something witchy, so I would towards the end of it, I would alternate between the main Inktober list and then the witch one, and then that was a year where I did all 31 days, and I think 2017 through 19, I was not able to do all the days. I think I just like set out to do a handful and then like fell off of it. That's what most artists do, honestly. But then in 2020, because like 
no one had anywhere to go. Um, I decided to sit down and fully do all 31 days. So for that one, I did a little project that I call Landscape Tober. So I was like, um, I miss traveling, but I've taken a lot of travel photos throughout the years. So I decided to sift through a bunch of my travel photos and just pick different ones. Like I just compiled a list for myself, like, okay, here's some good reference images. So each day I just painted a different one of those. I, yeah, I've noticed that you you have some of those too, like the landscape ones. I know the, um, you did a leeway one. My nephew picked that one up actually. Oh for, yeah, for one of your deals that you had at the uh, at the booth. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, what what started that? Besides, was it just the traveling then that made you decide to just draw landscapes and all that instead of so, like characters? Yeah, interestingly enough, um, the con that I added landscapes in was Otakon twenty seventeen. So. Otakon's a con that requires half original art along with your fan art. So a lot more cons are implementing it now where they don't allow you to have fully fan art at your table. Like you have to have some original art. And I was like, well, I don't have time to draw like a lot of new stuff, but here's some landscapes I did like back in the day. So like one of them, I actually did it in high school and it's like one of my best sellers at my table. So I like put that one in and then like two or three other landscapes. And I think I only printed out like two or three copies of them. Cause I was like, I don't know how well these are gonna do at an anime con, but they actually did really well. People really liked them. They're like, wow, I like, I rarely ever see landscapes at an anime con. And I found like a niche that I could just tap into. I was like, you know what? Like this appeals to people cause it's like aesthetic, but also it like appeals to the moms who are kind of like required to chaperone their kids, right? They're like, the kids are like all excited about like actual anime characters and mom's like yeah i can't relate but these pretty landscapes like these look nice so i was <laughs> like you know what i actually really enjoy painting landscapes and people seem to really like them too so i just started to paint more and more uh you, you brought up otakon talking uh doing like half and half does that work is that for most cons nowadays or because i i don't think i've ever heard of like having or seeing cons like re require like original art and then like half fan art. I always thought it was kind of like the same thing. Yeah, so I don't think most cons have it. It's just a handful that do. So at that time, ShudoCon also had that rule in place. And then Otakon had it. YomaCon is starting to implement it. So they were going to implement it in 2020. But then because of the pandemic and stuff, everything got pushed back. And so they're like, okay, we don't want to like limit artists in 2021. They're like, but then in 2022 for that con, they're going to do 50-50. Um, I feel like, I don't actually know the reason why, but my guess would be something about, like, the con not getting in trouble with, like, copyright or something. So they're like, oh, like, yes, these artists are, like, selling their own stuff, which it's, like, good and bad. It's, like, on one hand, you can promote your own original artwork, but then on the other hand, like, you know people are at cons to buy, like, fan art of stuff. So it's just, like, it's, yeah, it, yeah people are kind of, like, mixed on it, I think. <laughs> Well, I, I spoke with an artist when I went to uh, Nishi Fest here in in, uh, in Texas. She was telling me that um, that like there's there's like it's a very fine line because like there are mm. vendors out there that will sometimes like sell other people's art and mm. try to like push it off as if like it's their fan art or it's something else. So I can see why conventions are starting to implement those rules, mm -hmm. not just for like copyright reasons, but for to, I guess to protect the other artists too. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, I just um fan, with fan art it, it is tough because like there are uh from what i've heard it was like you can't have like uh not not so much tracings but it, you can't you can't draw it exactly like how the original artist does you have to do like your own take on it yeah so, 
So um, did, like, did you ever, I'm sorry. Oh, and I was just going to say, I think it's like kind of a point of contention in like the art community versus like just the general public. Cause like, um, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I just want to see like the Naruto art style or like Akira Toriyama's art style. Like, can you just draw it for me? But then, you know, that's like, well, technically no. Cause then it's like, I'm just copying their work. And then, yeah, it's a very gray area. Did you ever participate in the uh, that Sailor Moon challenge a couple years ago? Where, like each artist had their own take on it. Yes, actually, I think yeah, I chose to do it in gouache. Yeah, it's if you like dig back in my Instagram till like I think it was around like April or May twenty twenty, the like redraw Sailor Moon one. Yeah. yeah. Now I know you, I know you do watercolor. How do you implement that with digital art, or do you just scan it? How does that work? Yeah, so I do some watercolor and then some gouache. So gouache is very similar to watercolor, but the main thing that makes it different is it's opaque. So for watercolor, like you can usually see the layers of like, oh, I like added this paint layer, then that one on top, and you can kind of see it build up like that. And then it looks very translucent, but gouache often has a more like graphic look, like depending on how different artists use it, but it's an opaque medium. So you can layer lighter colors on top of dark ones after. So I've been using that more recently, but basically what I do is um, I paint it just like on paper, like you do. And then I'll like, for the last few years, I've just taken a photo with my phone and then just edited it because my scanner was like, it did not scan at high quality. So sometimes it would wash out skin colors and stuff. So that's actually like how I do a lot of mine. Like I'll take it, I'll paint it. And then the next morning when it's like sunny, I just like hold it up and like try to snap a photo of it with my phone in good lighting and then just like throw it into Photoshop. <laughs> Have you ever sold uh, any of your originals at all or do you still keep all of them? Um, I've started selling some of the originals. Um, I think at Yomacon, someone bought one, a few of my, or someone bought one of my Genshin landscapes. And then, um, yeah, the only, there's like, some that I want to sell, but they're in a sketchbook, which makes it kind of inconvenient because then I'm like, oh, I don't want to like cut it out of this sketchbook. And then there's like something on the back of it. So, <laughs> well, hopefully, maybe the once it's filled, you could do like a like an auction or something for that. Yeah. Usually, projects like that people are really into. I know that uh, Art Germ does that too. Like, he'll do yeah. his uh, I believe it's Inktober, but mm -hmm. Art Germ does that. He'll like. I actually won a contest that he did a few years ago and it was just pretty much the book, but mm -hmm. it was just like pictures that he took of his photos and uh -huh. compiled it into a book. Uh -huh. So um, usually I think that's what artists try to do. Like mm -hmm. they'll, they'll just try to like compile everything together. That way you have like a book of the entire thing. Have you ever thought of anything like that before? Mm, the closest thing I've done is I actually filmed a sketchbook tour of one that I finished like kind of end of last year. And so that's up on you, my YouTube channel, but I've seen other artists like scan it all in and then sell the pack on like Gumroad or something, but I haven't considered doing that. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, so, you know, with, with all these conventions coming back, um, are there any that you're planning to go to besides like the usual like Yumicon or some of the other ones? Are, are the, do you ever like go out of state at all? Yeah, so um, I actually have an out-of-state one next weekend. So the first con that I have coming up is this weekend in Grand Rapids. And then I guess at the time of recording this, I'm not sure when you're going to post this, but as of this upcoming weekend, there's one in Grand Rapids that I'm going to. And then I'll be at Indiana Comic Convention next weekend. And then I have 
MetroCon in Florida, and I've applied to a bunch of other ones as well. So I applied to Otakon, I applied to Yomacon, applied to San Japan, which is in San Antonio. Um, what else do I have? I think those are the main ones. I applied to Florida MegaCon. I'm, I think I got in, but I'm not sure. It's like kind of confusing right now, but hopefully I'll be at that one. And then, oh, the biggest one is Anime Expo. So I did manage to get an Anime Expo table. So I'm actually really looking forward to that one. Nice. That I, I've only visited Expo once. Oh, and yeah. That was in 2015. Um, I got lost in Artist Alley and spent way more than I should have. Um, oh, but yeah, you know, just I love Expo. I, if I could go back to, to that uh, event again, I probably would. But mm. since I'm here in... Uh, the texas area there's so many other ones here yeah i probably won't leave and like for another good two years Makes <laughs> sense. for, for xy i know that there's tons of artists that apply for this you know mm -hmm. is it just more like the luck of the draw type thing or they actually look into like what you've done with your like with your um i, I guess for like with, with your numbers when it comes to social media or what you've sold that do they look into all that so it's it's dependent on the con. So Anime Expo specifically, they don't have any sort of jury. It's a first come first serve. So I think they have two waves. One wave is for returning artists. So it's like if you tabled the previous year, you can try for a table at like whatever date they set. And so it's just kind of like a mad rush. Like just get on that page, refresh. It's like you're buying concert tickets. Just refresh <laughs> until like hopefully God lets you into that page and you can like fill out the form before other people do. And then there's like a second wave for people who either didn't weren't able to renew their table at that one or just like new people so i have tried to apply for it in the past but i was never able to get in just because it's like a mad dash first come first serve so do you, do you ever uh plan to like i guess cosplay or dress up as well when you go to like big conventions like that oftentimes i will the main thing that holds me back is like luggage space because like if it's a local con and i can just drive out there then yeah i'll probably cosplay like this past YomaCon, i cosplay each day of it so on friday i was tifa on saturday i was beido and then on sunday i was like wait Wushin. i don't know if you know like mxtx or like mdzs but it's like a chinese novel so i cosplayed a character from that because like YomaCon is like local and i can just drive to it so i don't have to like pack my cosplays or anything but for ones where I fly out, basically, like, I try to shove everything in, like, two or three suitcases, which are at, like, max capacity, like, weight capacity, so I can, like, barely fit in other stuff. So if I fly to a con and I cosplay, it's usually, like, pretty lightweight stuff. Like, I think I'll bring Nico Robin, because she has, like, a, like, a light jacket and a skirt, or just, like, casual stuff like that, that, like, can be shoved in, like, a backpack or something. So for, for traveling, then, for you, do you tend to drive out of state, then? Because I, I spoke with another artist, too, that does that. When they go out of state, like, they mostly drive with all their equipment. But for you, like, you know, you have to bring, like, I don't know if you bring tables with you or anything like that, but is that something that you usually do, or do you, do you tend to fly, fly out? For me, I pretty much base it on distance. So I think the farthest that I've driven is for Otakon one year because like from Michigan it's like a like a 10 hour drive I think um oh one time actually my friend and I it was like me and two friends we went to Virginia Beach for a con that was our longest drive I think that one was like 13 hours I'm not really sure why we decided to do that but we decided to do that um so that one was pretty long but usually like for Midwest cons right if it's like in Chicago or like 
Indiana, kind of around here, like within four or five hours, I'll drive. I guess like I specifically don't drive. I like go with someone and they drive because I'm not good at like driving long distances. But for ones other than that, I'll like fly out. So any California ones, any like Florida. And then now like the, I think the last time I tabled at Otakon, I flew out with my friend. So it, it definitely just depends on the like driving distance. And like all of my equipment does fit in two suitcases. So what I do bring is there's like the big setup thingy behind. It's like a photography stand basically. So I bring that and then all of my prints, all my merchandise, my button maker, um, those types of things. Generally the convention will provide a table and two chairs, at least for artist alleys. I know that if you're doing an exhibitor's booth, which is like, you know, those bigger ones and like the dealer's hall, I don't know if those come with tables usually, but those people probably drive because they have like, you know, a lot of magazines or comic books, figurines to bring. Yeah, I, I've always wondered how that worked because I eventually I want to try to see if um, if I can split tables with people I know, too, because I have a roommate who's uh, who's into art and mm -hmm. um, he's he's been trying to get into the, the art the art art game for like just vendors and stuff like that so like when we went to to the Nishi fest event we were just like asking a lot of artists like you know how how, to, how did you do this or you know what what was some advice they can give because i i know that uh with anime frontier coming up in december mm -hmm. it's, it's in the fort worth area um mm -hmm. their tables aren't that bad i looked online it's 200 dollars for a table yeah. and then like an extra hundred for a, a corner Mm -hmm. a slot so that's actually not too bad yeah <laughs> uh, so you know with, with all with all these like conventions and trips um earlier you mentioned that you know coming from an asian family i which i understand too um did your folks like just come around to this like oh you know jessica's gonna just start selling art and that's fine or are they kind of against it still so when i started out i actually did have a full-time job so i worked in a software company and that was like the main like this is how i'm supporting myself like i'm working a software job which is like pretty much a super well-paying job but um i would just do conventions on the side but i knew that like in during i think towards the end of 2019 like even before the pandemic i knew i wanted to take a break from tabling in 2020 so i actually didn't sign up for any conventions so the pandemic actually worked out for me because then i didn't have like any fomo i was like cool like I already planned on not going to any cons and now I don't feel like I'm missing out on not being at cons. So during that year, I just like worked on my art and like, you know, kind of figured out like why I was drawing. Cause one thing that I found while I was like half doing my full-time job and half like doing convention stuff on the side was like, it was actually really tiring to juggle both. Cause you know, I'd like get home from work like eat something and then like work on art or I also like worked on a lot of cosplay during that time too like looking back I'm like I actually have no idea like where I had that energy or like <laughs> how I managed to squeeze all of that into like a single day but um like through that it was like kind of a challenge for me to you know like am I just making this art to try to sell it do I even like the art that I'm making like why am I doing this but then um as I was like taking a break in 2020 I was like oh actually I really like making art i just really like painting it feels good to not have to do it for someone else and then in 2021 i like caught my stride again with art and i was like i just really want to draw and stuff and around that time i think like towards the end of 2018 early 2019 i was starting to burn out from my day job just like 
you know, projects were kind of tough. There were like tough deadlines and like, I was not great at like time management. I'm still like not amazing at time management, but basically like it led to me just being like kind of eh about my main job through like a good chunk of 2020 or a good chunk of like late 2019 that I like told myself, I was like, okay, at the beginning of 2020, I was like, if I don't love this job in September, like I'll quit and like find something else. But then the pandemic hit and I was like, you know what, maybe I will keep my job. So I kept <laughs> it through 2021. And then like partway through, I was like, every day I wake up and I just want to draw. I just want to make art. I like, I really don't want to have to, you know, like clock into work and stuff. So then I was like, you know what, we're just going to quit. Like if I don't do it now, like right now, like I don't have you know, family or kids or anything to feed. Like I can just take care of myself. I've like built up some savings. So I was like, you know what, we're just going to quit and do it. And like, so like going back to your question about like, were my parents supportive? Um, they were like fine with me doing it as like a hobby. And when I decided to quit, they were like, they actually thought it was a good idea because they could see like how burnt out I was from having to like balance all those things. I still think they think that I'm gonna like go back to software. They're like, I think they think like, oh, she's just taking a break right now. She won't do this full time, but we'll see. I don't know how that'll go. <laughs> I think that's kind of that kind of goes for like a lot of Asian parents. Even mm -hmm. my folks were like that too, you know. Yeah. Um, like before I even did podcasting, I was really into like music or writing mm -hmm. or like I was trying to do uh, at one point in my life I, I was trying to do like MMA and uh my my folks were like, you know, eventually he'll 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 phase out of it. It's just another phase, you know, like yeah. it, he'll get over it. He'll he'll go to school and and just let him like get all that energy out of him. Mm -hmm. Uh and a lot of the passions I had even though most of them died, like I I never really wanted to pursue like school or mm -hmm. like do something that was typical right um, and then like with, with this whole podcasting thing i do this i pretty much kind of i'm kind of like doing it how you used to do i'm, I'm mm -hmm. working a full-time job and then i come home and do all this stuff right but uh yeah it, it's pretty much just like that's how my life is not just work come home do this and repeat mm -hmm. until the weekend uh yeah. but yeah, like my, my folks are kind of like they're not so hard on me now, but then like the the question's always like, you know, what's your what's your uh what's your backup plan if this doesn't work out? You know, mm -hmm. they they kind of want that safety net. Like I'm I've mentioned this on several episodes too. Like I I, I get where my especially my mom, like I, I get where where they're coming from now when it comes yeah. to just finances or when it comes down to just uh being able to support yourself. Cause mm -hmm. they don't honestly like no parents wants to see their kid out there and struggle, but right. it's kind of like part of this whole artist you know, this whole artist industry thing. Um, like I said, there was another artist I spoke to and we, we talked about like being a starving artist, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I really respect that, you know, a lot of these convention uh, artists like you and the ones I've spoken to before, like how much effort it takes just to go out there and make a little bit of profit when it comes mm -hmm. to like uh, setting up your booth, applying for uh, tables, um, you know, upgrading all of your equipment and all that stuff. And it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of work just to do all of that. Mm -hmm. so you know what what are, what are your thoughts on like just how far you've come now seeing like how you how you did things before up till now you know is it, is it progress that you find that you know that you didn't think you'd be doing or is are you still planning to try to grow some more with your uh with your art too yeah so it actually like is cool because i i growth is one of those things where you never really realize how far you've come until you look back and like look at where you started. So I have a folder on my phone 
that's just like past artist alley setups because it's like oh i can reference this one for the next one that i set up and like every once in a while I like look back to the way beginning of that first yomakan table i had with my friend and our like 20 prints between the two of us i was like wow like we've really come a long way since then like each of us have like developed our own styles we have like full tables i've like grown a lot in just like skill set and like i guess the identity of my art like what kind of art i want to make as well as like the relationship i have with my art because like for a while as i was struggling with like oh do i just try to like do this draw this thing because it's like the hot new show right now like that's what everyone's doing or do i like listen to what i really want to draw and like paint that type of stuff so i'm like i am proud of like past me for like sticking with it and just like trying i guess and like when you were talking about just like yeah, like how our parents want the best for us. It's just like, yeah, that that is like why they worry. It's like they do want to see us just succeeding and like not having to suffer and like work hard the way they did. But it's cool that like, like even though despite that, I guess like looking back when I was in high school and stuff like this, like social media wasn't as big as it is now, right? And so social media has opened up a lot of opportunity for artists. Cause like, I'm pretty sure back then like cons weren't that big artist daily tables like I think I've, I've talked to some artists who like tabled around that time and they were like yeah I just like had my like five or six prints I like called up the con like a couple weeks before like hey do you have an artist daily table they're like sure and then they just kind of like let you in it was like a really small thing but now it's like it's a huge thing that people are doing full-time and like there's a lot of resources online for artists to like build a platform and just like put themselves out there so like um, in terms of like future plans with art and stuff, the main thing I've been trying to focus on is building a YouTube channel. Cause like I've seen, there's a lot of artists that I admire on YouTube. Like they'll post, sometimes they'll do painting videos where it's like them painting and kind of talking about their process. And I like seeing those cause it's cool to see how other artists work with a specific medium or how they approach specific um, drawings and whatnot. And they'll also post studio vlogs. So it's just like, oh yeah, did a life of like me doing my art thing. And so they'll just like pack orders. I don't know, like update some stuff online, take some breaks, do some sketchbook studies. So they're able to, you know, just post about themselves online and they've built a following because other people are like me and really do appreciate them and appreciate the work that they put out and we'll just like show up for them. And then like along with that Patreon, right? That's like a big thing that didn't exist back then. So through that creators can just like, get you know financially supported by their fans and people who believe in them so that's something that i want to work up to as well yeah i think it's great with uh with like platforms like youtube or even twitch you mm -hmm. know a lot of artists are doing that um to find ways to make income on the side when it like because i i know that with these conventions that's kind of like more of the um i don't want to say the big part of your your income but like that you know it, it's where you get the most like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you get you get noticed the most. Yeah, it's in for person, sure. and you get mm -hmm. to meet fans and and build your, and network network outside yeah. of just you know being at home. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, I've seen some of your YouTube stuff. I know you did like some. Um, I, I know you do like TikTok videos too, right? Like you do like quick uh video edits of like your water painting and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, really um, the, oh, go ahead. Oh yeah, I was gonna say I've been trying to grow on that because like. It's funny, like TikTok is not actually a platform that I'm not that I'm like super interested in. I know people are like really, really into watching TikToks, but in general, I just don't like watching videos on my phone. 
so I'm like not sucked into it or anything. But then I have heard other artists be like, yeah, just like if you post consistently on TikTok, like the algorithm actually treats you a lot better than like Instagram and stuff. And you can like build your audience better. So I'm like, all right, maybe I should just try making TikToks. <laughs> yeah. And you'll definitely get more like views from the these younger uh the younger audiences too because that's all they really do now just watch yeah. shorts mm -hmm. um because i i know that like a lot of um like long long uh i guess what's the right how can i word this like m videos that are longer in length when like it comes to time form. in long form content mm -hmm. exactly thank you for <laughs> I, that was like slipping my mind yeah. long form content um tends to not hit like the younger audience where it's always more mm -hmm. like people like my age or, or older people um, that'll listen to like podcasts or watch like, you know, whole episodes and, and just stick to that. But like a lot of these younger people and the, their attention spans, like not short, but it's, it's very quick. Yeah. If it's not, if it's not interesting in like the first five seconds, they're just going to swipe past it. Yeah. So I, I, I think, you know, with the whole TikTok route, um, it's, it's great to start on that first. Like I've been debating on doing TikTok too. Cause yeah. like, I, I don't know what I'll be doing. Probably right. just do like, uh like highlights of my episodes or something i'm, I'm yeah. not gonna go out there and record myself dancing or anything like <laughs> <ridiculous>. <laughs> i've seen people do it i still don't get how people or like why people do it it's it's, it's just i don't know it, it makes me cringe at times um yeah. part of me thinks you just have to love the process of it right it's like that's the type of thing where like you can try doing it for clout and like maybe you'll get lucky but i think it's more sustainable if you just do it because you enjoy it <laughs> But there is one thing I like about TikTok, though, is like there is teaching people how to edit videos mm. with like, and mixing audio and doing different camera angles and and like different um, there's different shots. Like people were doing like I, I don't know if this was trending at one point, but when people would like walk through the door and it's like you just had to cut the frame at the right time to make mm. it seem like you could just walk through the door instead of just, um, you know, doing some really cheap edit on, on your computer or on your on, on your phone. So like I think that was really cool just to, mm -hmm. to see kids do that. Like I have some younger cousins that are doing like all these tricks on their cameras, and I'm like, how do you even do it? I can't even do this on my laptop. So like, <laughs> it, it's it's really unique to see that. If you want to start your own podcast like Spoiler Force, then sign up with Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout has helped hundreds of thousands of users like me to begin their podcasting journey. With easy to use tools, you can effectively get your podcast into different platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and more. You can view your stats, create audio clips, and even have your own podcasting website. Buzzsprout offers ideas, tips, tricks, and tutorials to help you improve your podcast. Follow the link below, and once you sign up, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card. This will let Buzzsprout know that I sent you and will also support Spoiler Force Podcast. If you want a simpler way to record both video and audio for your podcast, then sign up with StreamYard. StreamYard is the perfect program to create podcasts, host live streams, and even do video calls. There are many tools that can help you create and design your own personal studio. You can screen share, read live comments, and stream to different destinations like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. You can also download your video and audio once you're done with your recording session. Follow the link below, and once you sign up with the basic or pro plan, you'll earn a $10 credit to use for StreamYard. Happy podcasting. You know, kind of just going back to your art here, Jessica, like what, what inspired you? Like what made you decide, like, man, I, I just want to do this because not now that we, we've spoken about like you going to conventions and so on. like I, I want the fans to know like how, how did you get like what what made you start it what ignited this fire to just start drawing 
like from the way beginning, like when I was a kid, or just like why? Yeah, like, you know, was it like a show or something that you watched, or was it always around you, and that's why you like got into it? I actually have no idea. Like I've literally always loved drawing. Like as long as I can remember, I would just be drawing stuff. Like even as like a four year old, like a kindergartner, like first grader, I just really liked drawing in general. I don't think I always drew anime back then, but um, what did I draw? I, I don't know. I just drew like whatever we were supposed to draw. Like in art class, I was like, here's an assignment. I'm going to draw it. Like this is fun. But I think I started drawing anime in like fifth grade because like as a kid I definitely watched like Sailor Moon and stuff you know like the OG for girls like Dragon Ball Z was also on but like unfortunately I would just like fall asleep during that show so uh don't don't hate me I'll I'm down to watch it again now but I was like back then I was like nah I'm just I'm asleep right now but um yeah just like there were some anime that I watched and I really did like those and I was like, it would be cool to draw this style. But one of my friends, like, yeah, it was in fifth grade where she was like, hey, like, you should just, like, draw anime and stuff. And I think, like, it was like, did your school ever have, like, Scholastic Book Fair? Yes. Yes. Um, I, I, I those. like, those kind of, like, brought up bittersweet memories. Because, oh, no. <laughs> um, the, the, like, okay, well, how, it depends on how your take on this, right? For, for Scholastic School Fairs, like, growing up, I used to never be able to get some of those books mm. up until like I was in maybe middle school. Mm. Like my, my folks, you know, they, to them, it wasn't anything really, but you know, when you see kids get that stuff and, and the, like they get the teacher comes out and passes out like what you, what you pre-ordered. So I think my folks kind of noticed what I was into. That, that's actually how I got into manga was because oh. of these scholastic school fairs. The, they had like the big shonen jumps with like each mm. chapters of like different, different shows and whatnot. Yeah, because I remember there was one Scholastic Book Fair that they had Yotsuba, so I don't know if you've heard of that manga, but it's about this little girl, I think she's like five, and it's a slice of life just about like her vibing with her neighbors, like she just kind of does whatever, just like acts like a five-year-old, and it's like really adorable and stuff, so my friend was like, you should read this, it's really good, and I so I did, I was like, wow, this is really great, and then so I started looking into, I was like, you know what, I can just like go on the internet and look for other anime that exists, so... Like, from that, I got into, like, Naruto and stuff. I, Naruto was the main thing I was into in, like, middle school. I would doodle Naruto characters, like, on the sides of my homework, like, all the time. Just, like, same same you know. for me. <laughs> but I was, like, better at drawing girls, so I think I mostly drew, like, Sakura and Ino. Because I was like, yeah, I don't know how to draw the guys. So just little Naruto characters on the sides of paper. Sometimes the teacher would, like, comment, like, nice drawing or something, you know? But, yeah, <laughs> I just, like, doodle on the side a lot, like, through middle school and high school. Just kept going with it. I used to always do, like, the, the Konoha symbol. Oh, yeah. Or, like, or, like the, the symbols too. that each country have. Like, I always doodled that on my homework. And I, I remember, like, now that you bring that up, I, I remember there was an assignment I had in, like, sixth grade, and they the teacher, like, wrote a note to my, my, my mom. He's like, you know, there's some... He, maybe you should get him into art since he likes drawing in his homework. And my, I got I got yelled at. My my folks were like, "Why are you doing that?" Like, no. like this was like this homework stuff so boring. It's it just I re, I just remember that it was just funny. I I think that's and because I got yelled at. That's why I stopped drawing. I, but I was never good at drawing anyway. I I can't I can't draw to save my life. I I can't even color in the the damn lines for at times. So like, I I can describe it to you, but I I wouldn't I cannot bring it to life with like my drawing or my or even my coloring <laughs> I feel like if you enjoy it you should still just like get into it right I feel like 
uh, a lot of times these days we think that like, oh, I can only do this activity if I can like get good at it. But I think we, it's also important to do things, even if you're not good at it, but you enjoy it. Yeah, I I enjoyed, like, you know, just art in general. That's why like I I have more of an eye on just like like just fan art type stuff because mm -hmm. I've always I've always wanted to be good at drawing. I just over the years I just never I was just never good at it, and I just mm -hmm. accepted my fate. I was like, all right, <laughs> this is something I'm not meant to do. Like, and it's funny because like a lot of people in my family were they're really good artists. Like mm -hmm. they they do like a lot of them do like technical jobs. You know, mm -hmm. even my dad he he was a he doesn't do well with freehand drawing, but he's mm -hmm. really good at like looking at a like a photo or like a sculpture, mm -hmm. and he'll draw that. And I, I didn't inherit that talent at all. <laughs> that that just skipped over me. Um, so I that's why I enjoy like going to artist alley. I enjoy looking mm -hmm. at like comic books and and manga and just like sometimes I'll even buy comic books just because of the cover and mm -hmm. not even read the not even read the book. I've done so, like, that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have. I have, I have a bunch of comics at home back in Michigan. That like my my parents were. I was bringing the boxes over to their house because I had no more room where I was at, and they're like, like, yeah, you got a problem, Ricky. You gotta stop buying these books. If you're not reading these books, you need to stop buying. Um, but yeah, you know, like with with art itself, that's something that I've always been fascinated with. I I, I love seeing uh, people's different styles. You know, especially when I started reading comic books. Because I grew up with the with the whole anime stuff, mm -hmm. so I, I'm very familiar with the anime, like like the the artwork, the the art styles, you know, like the, the big eyes or like the big poofy hair, mm -hmm. the '90s, you know, muscular Dragon Ball, oh yeah, you know, alpha okay. male look. Um, so like that, and then comparing it to what, like what in the states but like what they showed you know with like batman or superman mm -hmm. or they even like some of these uh, the marvel comics like how there was huge differences in how they drew in the east like they drew in the eastern side of the world versus over here in the west and, and you know for you jessica is that was that something that you've kind of like contemplated with like what style besides anime like were you ever going to try to do like comic book style art or go towards like you know more americanized cartoons at all i guess like the closest would be just attempting realism. So I took some art classes in high school and stuff. And so sometimes you'd have to practice realism for those. And I guess like in that sense, sometimes I would try to incorporate just like more like proper proportions into my art. Cause you know, like anime proportions are always like really stretched out or like, you know, kind of crazy. But I think I always tried to do more like, you know, more humanistic proportions but i don't think i ever got to like the more like superhero muscly like type characters or anything and like uh, i'm trying to think i don't really draw chibis and stuff yeah for whatever reason i've always just liked the more like adult anime looking characters though i do think it's cool when people when other artists like incorporate like a more western style into things and i feel like um yeah, growing up, the main Western stuff I watched was, like, stuff on Cartoon Network. So, like, Powerpuff Girls, like, Dexter's Lab. Those were the main two that I watched as a kid. And then, like, whatever's on Nickelodeon, like, Spongebob and stuff. I don't think I ever... I guess sometimes I wanted to try drawing the Powerpuff Girls because I was like, I really like the Powerpuff Girls, so I'm going to draw them. But I never thought about trying to incorporate that into my style, really. I feel like art style is not something that I think about all the time. Like, one question that a lot of, a lot of artists get asked is like how do you develop your style and like if you would ask me that I'd be like I don't know just draw what you want and like <laughs> eventually it'll just like develop 
But yeah, I do think that like, it is cool that now at like both comic cons and anime cons, you'll see like both, like you'll see a mix of both. Like you'll see cosplayers of like superhero stuff, Star Wars stuff, as well as like anime stuff at, um, yeah, whether you go to an anime con or a comic con. And I think like, it's cool that, you know, fandom in general just is more mainstream these days. So like more people can appreciate it. And then like you get to see fan art in even more styles than you would before. So like sometimes people will draw like superheroes and whatnot in like super cutesy style. I think that's really great. Um, people will draw like, what else? Yeah, like maybe like anime characters in like a more Western, like super stylized, like muscular looking style. Yeah, it's cool to see the variety that there is these days. Yeah, a lot of there's a lot of artists doing that too, like just pretty much like crossing over the the different cultures when it comes to anime or like Western comics and stuff like that. I, I I've seen quite a few. Um, I don't know if you know who Jim Lee is. Jim Lee, he he does like comic book art for mm -hmm. DC and um and some Marvel stuff too. He he's pretty well known in in the comic book industry. But he what he did on Twitch, I believe it was on Twitch. He did like a variation of Goku. Or, or even Cloud from Final Fantasy VII. Like, he drew it as if he drew comic books. And it was oh. really unique to see his yeah. take on it. Um, but, okay, so, okay, I, the question that I wanted to ask, like, came to my head now, now that I brought up Cloud. Uh, you know, like, for, for Final Fantasy VII, like, you drew Tifa. Mm -hmm. uh, have you done any other um, characters from Seven, or was it just her? Um, for character drawings, it's just her, but there is actually another Final Fantasy VII print at my table, but it's, like, hard to tell that it's Final Fantasy VII. It's actually a landscape of, like, Aerith in her garden, but the way I drew was, like, really impressionistic, so it's, like, kind of blurry, and, like, if you don't, if you just kind of look at it, you're like, okay, this is some random, like, landscape, but then if you look closely, you're like, wait, those blobs are pink, and she has brown hair, so I think that's Aerith. So there's also that one. And I actually started uh, like an acrylic painting of like a different shot of Aerith's Garden like back when I like finished the game in 2020. But I just like never got around to finishing it because I, I don't know, I like lost motivation or like I didn't know how to like proceed through part of it. And I was like, yeah, I guess this is just going in the like work in progress pile that like every artist just has like an infinite work in progress pile. <laughs> And I'm assuming you have quite a few then that are still work in progress still. Yeah, it's funny, like, because um, for a while, the last few years, I've been mainly doing traditional art. So I've, like, recently re-looked into my digital work in progress folder. And I'm like, some of these, like, I don't even really care about these characters anymore. So I don't <laughs> think they'll ever get done. <laughs> and th that's the thing, too. Like, with, with the hype of certain shows or hype of certain characters artists tend to just jump on it really quick like i know genshin is a huge one right now mm -hmm. um i really liked your beta one i think the beta one stood out to me the most which is why i got it and then Thank i saw you. the tifo print right next to it, so i had mm -hmm. to like all right i'm gonna get that too so <laughs> um no but yeah but like i was saying genshin itself like the whole game and like the lore and all these the waifus and husbandos that are mm -hmm. like really popular a lot of artists are, are taking I don't want to say taking advantage of it, but it just sounds wrong. But they're they're taking the opportunity of using their art styles and making like fan art of these characters. Or I, I know like a lot of the, the Genshin fandom does like their own. I, I believe the term is head cannon. So I think mm -hmm. they like to like push different uh, ships and different the characters together. So you know, with with all of that going into like a game like Genshin, have you like do, do you? I guess I don't. I don't want to say cater, but like you know, do you go 
and like you know do pictures of like Ning Wong and Beidou together or like you know uh what's the other character and and uh Xing Chou like do you like do character arts like that like half and halves or like put them together as pairs and stuff like that so it's funny because like I know that Genshin is like really trendy right now, but it's like the first time that I'm also like really, really invested in the trend. So it's like <laughs> the art that I'm making, I can, I know it definitely does not come from a place of like, oh, I'm just making this for other people. It's like, no, I'm making this for myself. So I have drawn one Beidou and Ningguang piece together. I did it for like, cause it's cool. Like Hoyoverse puts out a lot of contests for Genshin cause they actually, they know how to like market themselves and generate hype and like build their, uh, brand so they put out a lot of fan art contests to get artists hyped and like oh like we can win prizes from doing this and stuff so i think i drew it for like their lantern right contest last year um so i have a print of that at my table it is yeah it's beidou and ningguang together because i actually do like that ship they're like the most married people in genshin honestly like all the <laughs> even like the events and stuff they're always together they're always just like bickering and i'm just like yes good good job but um, I think oftentimes I don't draw ships because, mainly because I'm, like, too lazy to draw two characters together. I'm like, man, I gotta think of, like, a pose for them, and, like, I can't come up with something. So I prefer to just draw, like, single character illustrations. So one that I did recently was Xiao, because I was like, I know a lot of people like Xiao, but I was like, you know what? He's one of my main DPSs, so he deserves <laughs> some love. And so I, like, drew him, like, um in this intense pose like jumping down like in front of the moon and stuff i recently drew um raiden shogun from like because they had a contest for her so i was like all right i want to draw her with it's like her like a form on one half but then like the the boss i guess like awkward spoilers if you haven't done like the 2.5 content but um there's a boss fight and she has a interesting outfit there so I drew that on like the other half of it so it's like yeah and then I draw a lot of like Genshin landscapes right because it's like no nah, I, I like one reason I really like the game is because of like all the beautiful landscapes like the way that they incorporate in specific elements like per region right like for Liyue it's like the Chinese stone mountains like I really like those and then how um the trees like there's a lot of really cool trees in Genshin so I like I drew the one like Ejdaha tree right because I'm like yeah there's just some weird crystal coming out of it I'm gonna draw that i drew like the perch which is like the turumi island one and so yeah it's just like i do feel like really inspired whenever i'm just like roaming around and like um the other thing is so genshin has a content creator program so it's like it's open to like artists cosplayers like youtubers and a bunch of other people i think like writers also people who make like genshin themed like food fan art type stuff and so I applied for it and got into it last year. So that actually keeps me like kind of churning with like trying to draw new characters and stuff for just to like be a part of the program basically. So like, yeah, it's like those, there's specific big illustrations I'll do like my Beidou one, maybe for a contest, maybe because I just like the character. And then I also draw just like a little square face of the character, either like for their birthday or like when their banner drops. So right now I think I'm like, I'm mostly caught up on people for like banner drops. So like any new ones I draw now are like probably just gonna be for their birthdays or something. But those ones I've actually turned into my main like Genshin button set that I sell at cons too. Yeah, I saw that. That was really cool to see like all the characters there. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for for this program that you, that you're in for the whole Hoyovers, is, is that for like for them just to push out like the content for of the the different artists, or is is that what it is? Or are yeah, they, I think so. It's like, like oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I think they like want to give back a little bit to you know like the community and stuff. So they do like give out Primo Gym prizes. Like it fluctuates per month, and so you're not really like allowed to say how much you get. But um. Yeah, I think they just, like, want a way for, to, like, one, like, hype up their, uh, the stuff that they're making, like, new events, new characters, new content, and then, like, reward artists to, or, like, artists, YouTubers, whatever, to, like, keep making Genshin-related content. So it's, like, I think it's a smart way of marketing, right? It's, like, you know, like, people are already going to be drawing fan art, and it, like, doesn't really cost them anything monetarily to... You know like reward them a little bit for drawing it and then it like entices more people to want to either make cosplays make art make videos about genshin so it just like helps them build traction and keep growing yeah whatever hoyoverse is doing though they're playing the game right yeah <laughs> like like they, they are so good at marketing when it comes to just new characters mm-hmm. the patches the updates i know like people didn't like certain patches Mm-hmm. But they still kept playing the game. Yeah. And then, like, the whole Gambit system of, like, the gotcha system or, like, just getting the new characters. I, I know that with with uh, Ayato, a lot mm-hmm. of folks were trying to get him. I, I'm skipping his banner. I'm saving up for uh for, for Ayaka's rerun. Ooh, nice. So, yeah, I'm saving up for it. I got lucky with Raiden's rerun, too. I finally got Raiden. Nice, uh, nice. Yes. Yeah, so I won the 50-50, so I was like, Ooh. yes! <laughs> so, like, um, I I know... Uh, I, I, I sp- I had the voice actress for her for Raiden, the English dub uh, yeah. actress on the podcast. So like, I tagged her on Instagram. I was like, "Oh my god, thank you so much for letting me get the character." You know, like I was so I was so excited to to finally get Raiden. But then yeah. ever since that, I've been so busy, so I haven't been playing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Genshin itself, man. Like I I cannot say it enough. Like this this game is it has taken the world by storm. And mm-hmm. you know, I, I I think one thing I really do enjoy besides like the artwork that this game brings was or that's also that's great in this game is the music mm-hmm. like I, I love the music i love all the leeway music yeah um, i could i could just like edit to stuff edit videos and listen to that music all day if mm-hmm. i could yeah i think like when zongli's trailer dropped like so i i think yeah i started playing child's first banner so like november 2020 so then like zongli was like the first character that was like oh this is the new next character i was like cool but yeah his trailer like his theme song i was like this is the best song i've ever heard in my life like (laughs) last year i would just listen to it on loop like over and over and over again it was it was my spotify number one song by like a mile (laughs) i was like yes this is what this song deserves i was like if this song isn't my spotify number one i'm like uninstalling spotify like that means it's broken Yeah, he, uh, is my favorite character in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I tell everyone, or at least the people I know, like, out of all the characters that I enjoy story wise in Genshin, yeah. is, is Zhongli. He's such a Chad, like, he's yeah. so chill, <laughs> he's so chill. Like, the dude's super wise, all he does is just drink tea. So, mm-hmm. like, it's really, it's really cool that, uh, that this character, like, stands out, or at least for me, stands out. Yeah, um, I'm trying not to lean so much on using his shield so much, but I, I can't because that shield helps me so much because I, I i i don't dodge a lot in this game i hack and slash Same. a lot so i yep. just go in there just you know guns blazing and hope for the best i was so mad when they added in like the patch with the wolves and stuff because it's like they're clearly trying to like nerf shield meta i'm like 
please just let me like I don't like running healers on my team it's like a waste of a slot like I want the way I play the game is like I'm definitely like waifu over meta player like I just want to play the characters that I want to play and I'll like work harder to make them work in abyss and stuff so I'm just like please let me play who I want like don't force me to play a healer I don't want to play one (laughs) (laughs) so who's your who's your who's your main squad right now then um I guess it like varies I don't even know how to like fully say I have a main squad because for the most part for a while I was like the way I was running in the overworld was just whoever needed friendship I would just like put them in the party but I think I've gotten everyone to like friendship 10 except for Ayato because he just came out so like my main commissions team right now is like Ayato Yunjing because I got her to c6 like on this banner and then Bennett because you need a healer now and then toma i was like you know what i really want to run ayato and toma together and this is how i'm going to make it work (laughs) is it great like no does it get the job done in overworld it sure does but did you did you see six bennett i did yeah i was like you know what i play enough characters (laughs) that have like um elemental overrides that i was like it doesn't matter if he's c6 and it's actually helped me a lot because like um the current abyss has like a bunch of lectors in it right so i'm like at one point i'm like all right just throw down bennett and you can just start using his normal like attack like with within his thing because it'll like apply pyro and stuff so that helps break down shields i'm like i have one more way of shield breaking than if i like didn't have c6 bennett <laughs> yeah that the same thing happened to me like mm-hmm. i i c6 bennett and all my friends were on my like on my case about it they were like yep. why'd you c6 i'm like keep him c5 and then like come to like either I forgot what mission or what abyss it was. And then like I had I had a cousin playing my account and he, he used Bennett. I was like, you see, it worked. It saved <laughs> it saved you. So like, you know, you can't you can't talk trash about C6 Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I was one of the few. Like I, I know I don't know why it's such a trend to not C6 Bennett. I know like they get people get some sort of form of hate because they want to keep them C5 because like they don't I guess they don't they just don't like having all your attack being pyro but if it works out at the end um part of me feels like it was just like a thing that carried over from early like early Genshin it was like maybe like early theory crafters were like oh if you like C6 him it messes up physical ka-ching and she was like pretty top tier like back in the early early days so then from that people just like that was just one of the things you told your friends as they like, you know, joined. It's like, oh yeah, just like don't do it because it's bad. Like, don't remember why, but like it's bad, right? Just like, you know, like those types of like uh, almost superstitious things at this point. <laughs> yeah, I, I still need to work on um, like building a solid team for the abyss because mm-hmm. I right now I I run heavy on just like you know Deluke, uh, mm-hmm. Zhongli, or like Bennett, and then I throw in like a random fourth slot. So like I, I I run really heavy on my on my attackers and then like seeing how you know even like with the national team, you know, just the all four stars, but they kill it in most yeah. of the uh the abyss. I'm like, damn, I need to really focus on the characters that I don't really want to play. <laughs> <laughs> and it's annoying though, like because with Abyss, it changes like every patch. So you kind of just have to roll with the punches. Like I think this last abyss the teams that i ended up doing were i was like okay i really want to use ayato so i put him on one team it was like ayato kazuha diona and like maybe kaya and then the other half i think i did i think i had to do a different one like per floor but the one that i did for 123 it was like yula um it's only who else probably raiden and then 
maybe like Chong Yoon. Just like I was like, I don't know. We just need to break this like Lecter's shield. I think it's like the two Abyss Heralds. So it like you just have to kind of see what's there. Because yeah, and then the previous Abyss, it was like more bosses, but right now it's like more mobs. Probably because of like Venti rerun. They're like, we gotta oh, yeah. throw in some enemies who are like grabbable by Venti alt, so people will pull Venti. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like uh animal there still hasn't really been anything that can like beat it i guess you can say or like nerf it because i know a lot of folks are still or at least from what i know are are very heavy with like the swirl and mm. especially like with um what's her face the i can't think of her name albedo's just yeah sucrose oh, like, okay how, yeah. how op she is too mm-hmm. you know like all you really have to do is work on her elemental mastery and she's pretty solid yeah but, like yeah i i finally got to work on my kazuha Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was like, why didn't I work on him when I got when I pulled him? I because I got really lucky. I pulled him like the the, the two days before his banner oh, ended, and I was just nice. like, I was just like, uh, you know, it's whatever. I'm not thinking much about it because at the, at this point in the game, I wasn't even that far to know his yeah. background. I mm-hmm. just pulled him for the hell of it. Yeah. And then after catching up with the game and and and, and leveling up, I'm like, I hate that I waited so long to finally <laughs> get this character. Up. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely pulled him because he's, like, Beidou's crewmate, and she's my main. So I was like, we're doing it for the lore, just so she has a buddy. (laughs) Well, good thing I did, because he's actually come in handy in so many cases. Like, there was one abyss where I was like, ugh, the only team I can beat it with is, like, the Kazuha Child Bennett Xiangling team. I was like, oh, I really don't want to play this team, but it's the only one that can do it, so I'm like, fine. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean... You know, Jessica, I know that uh, I don't know how much time you have left, but, you know, the hour is almost up here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before we, we wrap things up, I just want to say thank you so much for your time. You know, we're just talking about your artwork and geeking, geeking out about anime, Genshin and all that stuff. So thank you for that. Um, yeah, for the. Oh, yeah, no problem. I, I, I really appreciate like I guess I, I appreciate your art style and I really enjoy your, your work. So I wanted to just go on, like, bring you on and, and uh, you know, sh- share what you've done. Uh, to the listeners and to any new listeners or new watchers too and you know because of that if there are viewers or or listeners that want to follow you or find your content how can they uh find you yeah so the main platforms i'm on right now are um instagram twitter and youtube so instagram and twitter it's underscore lilisys so lilisys is uh on the screen but it's l-i-l-i-s-y-s and then my youtube channel is lilisys art and I recently just launched a Patreon, so I'm on there as Lilisys as well. Perfect. I'll, I'll have those uh, links and to, to your social media and to all of your other uh, stuff in the show notes and description. Um, but yeah, Jessica, thank you so much for your time. I can't say it enough. Um, if you ever want to come back on and just geek out about Genshin or, you know, showcase more of your artwork, I'll, I'd love to have you back on the, the podcast here. Yeah, thanks, Ricky. Hopefully, I'll see you either back at a Michigan con or if I go out to a Texas con, hopefully, we can meet up there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely keep in touch for sure. Yeah, I don't know when I'll be back in Michigan. Too. Mm-hmm. I, I know I'll be going back for a wedding, but I don't think I'll be nice. going to any conventions up there. Um, but yeah, again, thank you guys for listening. This is episode 120 of Spoiler Force Podcast. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you follow Jessica on all the social media links again in the show notes there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for this episode thank you guys so much and have a great day
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to give a review and rate Spoiler Force Podcast. If you want to get all Spoiler Force updates or even peeks at behind the scenes, you can join the Spoiler Force Discord community. And if you'd like to show support, give tips, recommendations, sponsorships, or any collaborations, you can email me at rickyvang92 at gmail.com.